Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Today, we are talking about yet another Alec Baldwin lawsuit. I know. I know this one has nothing to do with the movie Rust. And y'all are like, wait, what? Yeah, this is a $25 million defamation suit. And though Alec Baldwin is not my favorite, I don't, I don't know about this lawsuit. I've got some thoughts. So today, I'm going to break down what this lawsuit alleges who the parties involved are, and what the law in Wyoming says, and my initial thoughts on this, of course, which are subject to change if more information becomes available. But just looking at this lawsuit on its face, uh, it's gonna. there's going to be some parts where it struggles. There's some parts where I don't think it struggles, but there's definitely some parts where it struggles. And I'm going to talk about that. We are living in definitely a new world of what and to what extent those who have large followings on social media are responsible for what those audiences do. And I think this is going to, well, this is a politically charged lawsuit because it is based around the events of January 6th and a Marine who was killed in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And Alec Baldwin um, made this politically charged in his behavior, but also the lawsuit doubles down on that charge. I think that Politics gives this lawsuit context, but doesn't really come into play in the evaluation of the law here. But it is the context. And I think today's episode will probably just make everybody mad, no matter where you fall. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your political leanings are for this episode. I think there's something in here that's going to make you mad no matter what. And um, and that's how we know we are just right down the middle when everybody's mad. That's that's where the law falls. Everyone's mad. Great way to explain the law, Emily. We should probably get into today's episode. We're going back to starting with a quote because I was so struck by this quote when I was scrolling through YouTube to look for something. There's a channel on YouTube I follow called The Daily Stoic that goes through different Stoic philosophers. I have talked more and more about how much I did enjoy studying philosophy and am enjoying getting back into it. Philosophy, of course, being the foundation for our modern legal structure. And this comes from the Daily Stoics channel. It is a quote from Viktor Frankl that says, quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And I would just offer to you that maybe the response that Baldwin chose was the wrong response, but perhaps not everything in that response is also something he could be civilly liable Four. And with that, we should get into today's episode. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Before we get any further into today's episode, I just want to remind you that I actually do have another podcast called I Have Thoughts. I Have Thoughts is a members-only podcast within the Lawnard community over on Patreon at lawnardsunite.com. I started the Lawnards Unite Patreon so that we could have a place for not just additional content, but for conversation as well. And if you've been looking for a way to connect with other Lawnards that's not centered around YouTube, check out lawnardsunite.com for the IF Thoughts podcast and for a wonderful community of Lawnards. 
hope to see you over on Patreon. And if you come on over, shoot me a DM that said the Emily show sent me so I can say hello and welcome you in to our community. All right. We should get back. We should get back to the show. In today's episode, I'm going to break down a timeline of kind of the complaint, then the claims in the complaint, then what the law says, and then my thoughts on that. So we're going to go through all of those. We're not going to go line by line with this lawsuit. It's fairly long, but it does have some receipts. We love a good screenshot of the DMs in a lawsuit. So for that, I'm thankful. And I feel like I forgot to say what I wanted to say earlier, which is, hey, law nerds in Canada and Great Britain, I see you because The Emily Show is number 12 and number 16 in entertainment news in your respective countries. And thank you so much for it. I love seeing how the podcast has grown internationally. And it's something I love about connecting with the audience um, in the Lawnard community at lawnardunite.com and on YouTube and on social media is seeing where you are listening from. And I just love that. So if you are listening and want to tag me on social and share please do. I love to see it. And I see it in your reviews too, coming in from all over the world. So a huge thank you. Emily, are you procrastinating because you hate this lawsuit a little bit? Oh my God. How did you know? (laughs) I feel so seen. (laughs) I, I'm just telling you going in, here's where I'm at going into this today. I don't love how polarizing this is going to be. I don't love how polarized the U.S. discussion around politics is. I think that there are some universal values and truths that we should be able to agree on. And I feel like hypocrisy runs deep all all the way around. And so we are going to be touching on some of that. But again, I I say that hating that this is politically charged because it should be about can someone with a large audience kind of sick their audience on someone else on social media. Is that okay? Um, Like morally? No. Is that okay? Legally? It depends. And where that falls. It just happens that the context of this is political and politically charged. And with that, I would just ask for no matter what your political leanings are, when you listen to this, to evaluate it if, you know, the shoes on the other foot and then find if there is, you know, grace one way, but not grace the other way. And I think that will come up a lot in this lawsuit. So with all of that exposition of like, gee, Emily, it feels like you're procrastinating. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It does. Now you've probably seen the headlines around this lawsuit. And I have found a lot of the headlines around this lawsuit to be a bit misleading. This lawsuit is at the end of the day, yes, it is seeking a large sum of money. And by large sum of money, I mean the lawsuit is ultimately seeking $25 million. Do I think we'll get there? I don't think so. I don't think so. For those of you listening and you can't see my face, you're like, Emily, what has just happened to you? It The face correlates with that that awful sound. But do I think we'll get to a $25 million lawsuit at the end of this thing? Probably not. 
The claims go to three different plaintiffs, all against defendant Alec Baldwin. And we'll talk about who these three plaintiffs are in a minute. But it is invasion of privacy by false light and intrusion upon seclusion. We'll talk about what that means. Defamation, defamation per se, and defamation by implication. Negligence and gross negligence and IIED, intentional infliction of emotional distress. To understand who these parties are, we have to get into a little bit of background, but the parties are Jenea McCollum, Royce Jolene McCollum, and Cheyenne McCollum. All three are connected to deceased Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. So that's where, if you're seeing the headlines about a defamation suit and a deceased Marine, that's where those are coming from. But that is context. That's not exactly the heart of this lawsuit, but it is the context that put these three individuals into the crosshairs of Alec Baldwin as this lawsuit alleges. The background here shares, and this I'm sharing because again, context matters. The background is that 20 uh, 20-year-old Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCullum was killed in action on August 26, 2021 in Kabul, Afghanistan, when a suicide bomber attacked his unit while he was processing Afghanistan refugees. His widow, Janaya, gave birth to their daughter, uh, referred to by initials LRRM, in 2021. In addition to his wife and child, LCPL McCullum is survived by his father and his sisters, Cheyenne and Royce. They go on to list that Alec Baldwin is an actor and political activist with a history of verbal threats and combative confrontational behavior with many individuals, including members of his own family. One remembers the voicemail left for his daughter Ireland when she was 12, calling her a greedy little pig, amongst other things. That is kind of seared into my mind. It was one of the things where I was like, I was kind of neutral leaning eh, on Alec Baldwin, like neutral leaning. I don't towards, I don't really care for him. And going through the Rust lawsuit and all of his interviews has swayed me full well into the camp of, I, I cannot stand the this man. I don't, I don't want to hear him talk. I cannot. That does not mean I am skewed against him in this lawsuit because, again, I try to envision it's, what if this was happening to somebody that I liked versus somebody that I don't like? The law should play out the exact same way. And that's going to be a challenge for you today as we go through this lawsuit, whether you like or dislike Alec Baldwin. And my like or dislike of Alec Baldwin, my dislike of Alec Baldwin has everything to do with really what I've seen from him after the Russ lawsuit and nothing really to do with his political leanings. They then go on to say that uh, defendant's publication of false allegations against plaintiffs to his 2.4 million Instagram followers constitutes, at minimum, an egregious violation of plaintiff's right to privacy by false light and intrusion upon seclusion, defamation, defamation per se, defamation by implication, negligence, gross negligence, IIED. But they're saying that the court has original jurisdiction, which is interesting. They're saying that the court has subject matter jurisdiction because the amount in controversy is above 75,000. They don't describe at all how this court has personal jurisdiction over Alec Baldwin. This is filed in the United States District Court, the federal court in Wyoming. So this is not filed where Alec Baldwin lives in New York, which is interesting because could Baldwin choose to fight this case on the grounds of jurisdiction? Sure could. Um, sure could. Sure could. And I think 
likely will. Um, and we will likely see a motion to dismiss bringing up not just jurisdiction, but also bringing up failure to state a claim for some of these claims that I don't see on the face of this complaint, how they stand, but that we will get into later. They go on to describe the three, the three plaintiffs. Jenea is the widow and mother. Royce is the sister. Cheyenne is the other sister. Royce is the one who we will be mostly focused on throughout this complaint because that is really the heart of the matter. Getting into the facts of this lawsuit, they talk about Baldwin being a public figure. They also say, as they feel is particularly of importance and note to this lawsuit, that he is an outspoken liberal Democrat who routinely voices his despisal of the Republican Party, and in particular, President Trump, to his supporters via social media and anywhere he can find an audience. They say Baldwin's fame has allowed him to amass a fortune estimated at $60 million. That struck me because I would think that Britney Spears's fortune would be larger than Baldwin's just based on residuals on, on music, et cetera. But I thought it was interesting that they estimate both of their estates um, or both of their their fortunes being around the same. It just, I was like, is everybody's, is, is it 60 million? Is that just kind of what we round to now? It's just such a specific number. And we've talked so much about Brittany that it just kind of stuck out in my mind. They then talk about the fact that Baldwin has a long history of combative behavior. They identify his Instagram. And this comes up because as this lawsuit goes on, they talk about the fact that his followers are not just casual followers, the way you would follow um, an account that has a a personality that's not so politically motivated. You know, like the followers of the Aldi UK account are there for some snappy banter and deals at their local store. They're not there because of Aldi's, you know, political views. So the argument will come that part of them bringing up Baldwin's political leanings is because they're saying that he shares that with a large number of his followers and he is very outspoken about it. And that gives him the knowledge that what happens next could be or could cause a problem. And perhaps that was his intent. They go on to talk about the McCullum family and they give a brief breakdown of the timeline as a way of history. And they talk about uh, the deceased Marine Riley McCullum and say that he graduated Marine Corps boot camp in December, 2019, married Jenea on February 14th, 2021 and then was deployed to Jordan in April of 2021. He was then killed by an uh, IED on August 26, 2021 in Kabul, where his unit was processing refugees. And his daughter was then born on September 13, 2021. They talk about the professions of the sisters, which for our purposes are not, um, are not particularly relevant. And also, I would like not to submit the, these otherwise possibly private individuals to any more uh, information by putting in, you know, where they work into this lawsuit, though it's there, you know, well, the fields they work in. They talk about the fact that the McCullum family share a deep and abiding love of the United States. And then they say in this lawsuit, quote, like many people in Wyoming, the members of the family share conservative values as their core beliefs and believe strongly in the United States Constitution and the freedoms it guarantees. So when I say that this lawsuit definitely has politics as a context, you are starting to see that this has politics as a context. 
They talk about the facts preceding what they say in this heading is Alec Baldwin's, or sorry, Baldwin's abhorrent conduct that on or about January 3rd, 2022, plaintiff Royce, one of the sisters, and they name all the plaintiffs by first name because they all have the same last name. So plaintiff Royce posted a photo of a crowd of demonstrators at the Washington Monument on her Instagram page in anticipation of the January 6, 2022, one-year anniversary of her attendance at the Washington, D.C. demonstration to protest, and this, I'm quoting the lawsuit, to protest, quote, what many people viewed as the fraudulent election of Joseph Biden as president of the United States. They say in the they continue to say it is well publicized that the demonstration, which was attended by hundreds of thousands of people, included unlawful rioting and entry into the United States Capitol building by a couple of thousand people. The prosecution of those persons is ongoing. However, they say the majority of the individuals that attended the demonstration did so peace in a peaceful law-abiding matter, including Royce. While she was present at the demonstration, Royce did not partake in, nor did she support or condone the rioting that erupted. They say that during the rioting, she was stuck in a place outside the Capitol building next to multiple police officers for hours after the rioting began due to the fact that so many people were around her and the area had been locked down. They say that a neighbor who was unhappy that Royce attended the demonstration turned her in to the authorities and Royce was interviewed by the FBI after the event and was cleared of any wrongdoing. She was never detained, arrested, or accused of or charged with any crime. Like the overwhelming majority of attendees, Royce, a politically conscious 22-year-old, went to Washington, D.C. to exercise her First Amendment rights of free assembly and free speech, nothing more. They then say that neither Cheyenne nor uh, Jenea were present in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. They then go on with a heading that says, Baldwin gets triggered, and they talk about the fact that after LCPL McCollum was killed in Afghanistan, GoFundMe was started on behalf of Jenea and her soon-to-be-born daughter. It seems that the sister Royce started that GoFundMe, and I think that that is a very important point as we get into this suit a little bit more and factors into my uh, thoughts and opinions on some of the way this is framed, because there's some things I just don't agree with, but it's from everything I've seen, Royce is the one who started the GoFundMe. They go on to say Baldwin apparently became aware of her identity and sent Royce a check for Jenea and her child for $5,000. And they say in his words, quote, a tribute to a fallen soldier. And that comes from a DM that we will talk about in a few minutes. On January 3rd, Baldwin's seemingly benevolent overture turns into a nightmare for the McCollum family when Baldwin went on an Instagram rant about LCPL McCollum's sister Royce, who on January 3rd posted a photograph of people surrounding the Washington Monument at the Make America Great Again protest in Washington, D.C. on her Instagram feed. Baldwin commented on her post and said, quote, are you the same woman I sent the money to for your sister's husband who was killed during the Afghanistan exit. Now, that's also critical and will come up later. They say then Baldwin seeks revenge and lists out what is in the DM. A photo of the DM is attached as an exhibit. So I'm going to read from the exhibit of the DM, not the lawsuit, because it shows that it's his verified account. So let's go to the DM. So attached to this lawsuit as exhibit one are a number of 
of screenshots. And this one is of a DM that shows that it is Alec Baldwin's verified Instagram. It's clearly an Instagram DM. And there had been a previous conversation that we do not see, and it shows Baldwin leaving the conversation with our pleasure. So I am assuming, and this is me assuming, that that conversation had something to do with sending money or the GoFundMe or supporting, and then a thank you for that support because our pleasure makes sense in that context, given the history we know. Then it shows January 3rd at 1.04 p.m. 1.04 p.m. would be whatever local time is for the owner of this phone, um, depending on where they were when they took this screenshot. So the screenshot is clearly taken at subsequent days because the screenshot of the phone shows that the phone's time at this point is 1.02. So, I mean, I guess it could be a.m. I don't know. I guess it could be. So Alec Baldwin initiates the DM on January 3rd and says, when I sent the money for your late brother out of real respect for his service to our country, I didn't know you were a January 6th rioter. He's clearly annoyed um, by seeing her Instagram post. And I don't know if he was following her on Instagram and that's why he saw it or not. The response in a purple bubble says protesting is perfectly legal in this country. And I've already had my sit down with the FBI. Thanks. Have a nice day. And he says, I don't think so. And does is is I don't think so relating to protesting is perfectly legal. And he said, your brother fought for this country bravely and honestly. And then in the next bubble says, your activities resulted in the unlawful destruction of government property, the death of a law enforcement officer, and assault on the certification of the presidential election. And then it says, I reposted your photo. Good luck. The lawsuit then goes on to lay out some of Baldwin, well, one particularly, of Baldwin's own social media incidents and talks about the fact that Alec Baldwin has been the victim of a, quote, social media mob. The lawsuit says that in late 2020, his wife, Hilaria Baldwin, was outed because she had been holding herself out for years as a native of Mallorca, Spain, even going so far as to use a false Spanish accent during interviews, outings, and television appearances. When it was revealed that she was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and named Hillary Lynn Haywood Thomas to an American mother who was a physician and assistant professor at Harvard Medical School, and an American father who worked as an attorney, both Baldwin and his wife were heavily trolled on social media. Now, normally you would look at something like this in a lawsuit and be like, oh, are they doing this to embarrass him, troll him? This comes in later when they're talking about whether Baldwin should have known what directing 2.4 million followers towards someone looks like and feels like. They talk about the fact that Baldwin um, temporarily shut down his social media and then go on to say that when he did that, he posted, quote, I noticed that someone said that this actress who I won't mention had switched accents during the press for her show from her accent from another country to an American accent. And I just wrote, quote, oh, that's interesting, end quote. And of course, you can't do any irony on Twitter. You can't do irony in the United States anymore because the United States is such an uptight, stressed out place and such an unpleasant place right now. And that uh, doesn't have a date 
on that post, but it seems he was talking about Gillian Anderson in her portrayal of Margaret Thatcher. Now, they also talked about the fact that Baldwin commented under the publicly available post because the plaintiff in this case, Royce, does not have a private Instagram. It's a public Instagram. And he commented under the post that he had shared, adding her, saying that, quote, irony was my point. The irony of sincerely wanting to honor your brother and the fact that you are an insurrectionist. Irony, colon, quote, the use of a word that mean the opposite of what you really think, especially in order to be funny, end quote. And then it says Miriam Webster. That's his Instagram comment under her post. They say in spite of his condescending explanation, plaintiffs are informed and believed and allege that Baldwin's past uh, betrays his intent. They then say that after the private messages with Royce Baldwin published the following message to his 2.4 million Instagram followers. And this is with her post. Remember, he said he was going to. And he said, good luck. This is the caption of his post on Instagram that has since been deleted. He says, I will take this down tomorrow. Lots of Trumpsters chiming in here with the current cry that the attack on the Capitol was a protest, a parentheses, a more peaceful form of which got a lot of other protesters imprisoned, end parentheses, and an exercise in democracy. That's bullshit. The party that has reflexively rallied on behalf of law enforcement, support the troops, Jesus, watched the Capitol Police get beaten, one killed, and called it their right. He goes on to say, I've said it before, the Republican that can lead the GOP away from this maniac, Trump, will go down in history as a hero. There's an interesting story here. So I read in the Times, yes, this is all his, this is me. Yes, this is all still his Instagram caption. I don't know either. We're just, this is what's in the lawsuit. We're reading it. I, I don't know. So he goes on to say in this Instagram caption, so I read in the Times, I believe, the story about the soldiers that died in Kabul, uh, died at the Kabul airport. I did some research. I found on IG that this woman, and they put in paren, Royce McCullum, is the brother of one of the men that who was killed. Now, in the lawsuit, they put sick um, after brother because it seems that he meant sister, but whatever. I offered to send her sister-in-law, and that's in reference to Jenea, some money as a tribute to her late brother, his widow, and their child, which I did as a tribute to a fallen soldier. Then I find this. Truth is stranger than fiction. And when he says, then I find this, this is a caption under his sharing of her Instagram photo at the Capitol. Well, at the Washington Monument, to be Completely fair to what's in the photo. I should just go to what's in the photo. Hold on. For those of you watching on YouTube, you will be able to see. For those of you not, it's on YouTube. And I pull this up on YouTube because her Instagram handle is all over this lawsuit and already made very public. Otherwise, I normally wouldn't pull up somebody's Instagram. Her Instagram also has not been privated. So her Instagram consists of a post of her wearing a Make America Great Again hat with a lot of other people and flags clearly at the Washington Monument. And it's a photo slider. The next photo seems to be a picture of a police officer in riot gear. Uh, not 
at the Capitol building. I'm not exactly sure which buildings in the background, but the officers are standing on some kind of riser um, uh, stadium seating. It looks like temporary stadium seating. And then she's holding something that looks like a rubber bullet to me, but may not be. And then the caption on that Instagram post simply says throwback. So as we get back into the lawsuit, it says the lawsuit goes on to say this in Baldwin's post to his 2.4 million followers was Royce's Instagram feed, including Baldwin's insurrectionist and rioter name calling. Plaintiffs are informed and believed and alleged that in a move signaling his true intentions, Baldwin then messaged Royce, letting her know he forwarded the chain to his followers. He wrote, quote, your activities resulted in the unlawful destruction of government property, the death of a law enforcement officer, and assault on the certification of the presidential election. I reposted your photo. Good luck. They then go on to say that within 20 minutes of his post that Royce began to get hostile, aggressive, hateful messages from Baldwin's followers, as one can imagine that one might when you blast out something uh, politically charged to 2.4 million followers who generally align with you, you can imagine that that would happen. Uh, they go on and put in, by way of example, some things that I cannot say on the YouTubes, but I will try to censor for the YouTubes. Look, YouTubes, it's in a it's in a lawsuit. But it it the sentiment encourages Royce to get violently sexually assaulted, calls her a worthless c-word with a kissing emoji, and says your brother got what he deserved. The lawsuit then, and the reason I point out that uh, statement is because of what happens next. Upon receiving this message, Royce forwarded it to Baldwin sarcastically, quote, thanking him for posting her Instagram feed. This unbelievably callous message from a woman who goes by the name, quote, Antifa Alley, A-L-L-Y. It then alleges that incredibly, even after reading it, Baldwin actually then followed Antifa Alley on Instagram. Baldwin then continued to chime in on the increasingly hostile feed, saying that Royce participated in the insurrection and that she was an insurrectionist. He continued to engage his followers. So Baldwin was in the in the comments responding to people after he shared this post, which is a fact that is quite significant, I think, in this case. So in some of the exchanges that they share, one of the exchanges said, so you're saying that you would deny a dead man's family help due to your political view? Question, question, question. People like you is why I lost all faith in Democrats. Baldwin responds to that individual on Instagram saying, but I didn't say that. I gratefully supported the GoFundMe campaign while simultaneously not knowing the woman I approached is an insurrectionist. I think that's remarkable. And we're going to go look at the exact feed because this is where I think that the lawsuit is stretching to include the widow, Jenea, in here. Because I think in all of Baldwin's exchanges, he's talking about the woman I approached being Royce. In this part of the lawsuit, they have said the woman I approached, and then they put in parentheses, Jenea. I don't think that that's what uh, was intended, and I don't think that's a clean reading of this. So I'm just going to show you the post, and you can decide what you think for yourself, but I feel like it's a stretch. 
okay, you have to, you have to bear with me on YouTube because the exact screenshot is flipped sideways when they put it in and uploaded it probably to the digital filing system. So it's frustrating, but they have the direct um, context here. And Baldwin, it's again, it's him with the blue check mark. This is why being verified matters. And it says, but I didn't say that. I gratefully supported the GoFundMe campaign while simultaneously not knowing the woman I approached is an insurrectionist. I think that's dot, 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 remarkable. Again, the GoFundMe campaign was started by Royce, the individual whose Instagram was shared. From all of the context on this thread, I think that Baldwin is referring to Royce being the one that he reached out to because earlier in the lawsuit, it says in paragraph 20 that Baldwin apparently became aware of her identity and sent Royce a check for Jenea, the widow and her child for $5,000. So again, I think the GoFundMe was set up by Royce and the reaching out from Baldwin apparently happened to Royce. So reading in that Baldwin is saying on Instagram, because he doesn't include a name, they did, that reaching out, the woman I reached out to, I think he is again referring to Royce, who he shared. I don't know if Jenea is a proper plaintiff in this case, and I will continue to point out why. Um, it doesn't mean that this didn't possibly cause her distress. I don't think what Baldwin was doing was targeted at Jenea. I think it was targeted at Royce, who posted the Instagram post of January 6th. And again, we're going to go through the legality versus the morality of it. The lawsuit alleges that the Instagram message from Baldwin labeled Jenea as an insurrectionist. But I think he's just calling Royce an insurrectionist again. That's how I interpret this. And I don't see any other way to read that based on context. This goes on to say that uh, Jenea was not present on January 6th and they weren't even married yet. They then say that within hours of Baldwin's publication of his post to his followers, plaintiffs Cheyenne and Jenea began receiving hateful messages and even death threats from Baldwin's followers who had seen the posts. By way of example, Cheyenne received the following messages and they say after futile attempts to defend Jenea, saying that she was not present for the January 6th events. And then it goes on and puts in a, a number of Instagram exchanges. But without more, again, I don't see the post being directed at Jenea. Um, I just don't see it. But also, when it comes to Cheyenne, she is now inserting herself in this. And I'm not saying wrongly so when your family's getting attacked on social media, I'm making no judgment on that, but she's now inserting herself. She wasn't the target of this. So whether civil causes of action as to her are appropriate, we will evaluate together. So then people started going after their social media accounts and saying hateful things to them. They go on to say that plaintiffs are informed and believed at no time did Baldwin discourage these posts, even though he was copied on many of them. At no time did he request that his followers cease from attacking the McCollum family. And at no time did he correct his false assumptions and accusations or attempt to bring civility to the exchanges. It doesn't seem that he did. They go on to say that Baldwin knows better and say 
In short, Baldwin is keenly aware of the unique platform his fame affords him and actively uses it to communicate to millions of people to further his beliefs and interests. Plaintiffs are informed and believed and allege that Baldwin unequivocally understood that by forwarding Royce's Instagram feed to 2.4 million like-minded followers and posting his commentary would result in the onslaught of threats and hatred that it did. And I think that goes squarely to the intentional infliction of emotional distress claim but perhaps not to some of the others. And that's where it's going to get very interesting as we are moving into seeing more lawsuits that are directed at what your followers did or what those you spoke to did. Where is the line of responsibility from the speaker? And is that line a continuum based on the size of the platform or the authority or position of the individual? Because we've seen this alleged against the speech that President Trump made on January 6th, but we've also seen it alleged with regard to YouTuber Ethan Klein in his lawsuit with Triller that was just thrown out on an anti-slap motion where they're saying, well, his followers went and made mean reviews in the app store. So there is a continuum here of uh, perhaps seriousness or perhaps liability or perhaps there's never any liability or responsibility for what you are saying, short of proving incitement, which is not what's charged here. So it's going to be very interesting as these suits continue to come up, because having a a social media platform and a following is a real thing, and targeting that following at others can cause real harm. Is that harm actionable, or is the law still trying to catch up with it? They go on to allege that plaintiffs believe that Baldwin's use of the words, I will take this down tomorrow in his initial post, show that he is aware that his post would violate Instagram's terms of service. However, he wanted the post up as long as possible, and it did say that. Then they go on and say that as to damages, in order to fully compensate plaintiffs for their damages to punish, deter, and teach Baldwin a lesson that he frankly should have learned years ago, this lawsuit seeks money damages in excess of $25 million. And then it gets into the causes of action, which I'm going to talk about now. But before I do that, we have to thank our sponsor. It is 2022, and it is time for your sexiest new year. Yes, you heard me right. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. And though they make tools for him, they are tools that you will love too. Trust me, I do. We keep our Manscaped in the shower where we can share, except for the body wash that my teen has stolen. And I'm kind of glad that he has because it smells delightful. Did you know that Manscaped also makes a foot powder to stop the stinky of the feet? Look, it's not just hair removal products. There are also personal grooming products that I absolutely love. And if you haven't tried them yet, it's time. Here's what I love about the lawnmower for. It has lights on it. So you can actually see what you're doing when you're grooming. How how simple and how brilliant and how did nobody think of this? I'm glad that Manscaped did. This year, you can take your routine to the next level with the Performance Package 4.0 and the brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0 with the skin safe technology to reduce cuts, but it also comes with those 4,000K LED spotlights that will shine a light on your diamonds. 
If you want to try all of this for your self-care routines to make that special shower day where you do all the things, all the hair removal to make it shine, you can get 20% off and free shipping with code Lawnard at manscaped.com. That's right. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Lawnard. Look, new year, no pubes or just well-coiffed pubes. I mean, the choice is yours. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to tell you how much easier it will be with the right tools. So in 2022, go ahead and give yourself a well-scaped below the waist. You will not regret it. We should just, we should, before I continue to overshare, we should just get back into today's episode. So as we're getting into these causes of action, there are four causes of action to each of the three plaintiffs, and they are the same. The invasion of privacy, the defamation, the negligence and gross negligence, and the intentional infliction of emotional distress. In looking at these facts on the lawsuit, I think they are reaching to pull in Jenea and Cheyenne. I do. I don't like Baldwin's actions, but it doesn't mean it's civilly wrong and that he's civilly liable. I think that they are reading into the post where he says reaching out to her. I think her refers to Royce, and I don't know how they prove her refers to Jenea based on reading this entire lawsuit. I don't see facts to support it. And then with regard to Cheyenne, she came to the defense of her sister and her sister-in-law, but these things weren't targeted at her. The Instagram post that was shared was Royce's. The statements that were made, I think, were directed at Royce. And I am going to evaluate these four claims as to Royce. I just don't see how the other two are proper plaintiffs without more. If you see it, please tell me in the comments and in our discussion about this case on social media, because I don't see it. I just don't see it. So with regard to Royce, the four causes of action, we're going to go through what those causes of action mean in Wyoming. I am not a Wyoming attorney. This is from my understanding and my research on Wyoming law, which in large part does model model law school. Yes, yes, it does model law school because it models the restatement second of torts, which is like the foundation of law school. So Emily, are you having flashbacks? Yes, I am. Let's first talk about the invasion of privacy, false light, and intrusion upon seclusion. These are two different invasion of privacy claims. With invasion of privacy, Sometimes it looks a lot like defamation. Defamation goes to reputational harm. Invasion of privacy generally goes to the more emotional and and, and mental harm. It, it doesn't go to damage of your reputation. It goes to the other damages, the anguish and distress that it can cause. So I guess you could say one goes to reputation and one goes to feels, but I feel like feels diminishes how devastating stuff like this can be. But also I try to make things understandable. So Invasion of privacy goes more to the emotional and mental repercussions of stuff like this. And for those of you following the Cardi B, Tasha K lawsuit, which there might be a verdict back by the time this airs, even though there is not a verdict when I am recording, you you heard Cardi B talk about how devastating the online harassment that came from the name calling of a YouTuber was to her. And it's it's real. Like, it's real. These things take a toll. So for that, 
one who invades the right of privacy of another is subject to liability for the resulting harm to the interests of the other. The right of privacy is invaded by, and then these are the types of invasion of privacy. I'm only going to go over the two that are being alleged here. Unreasonable intrusion upon the seclusion of another and publicity that unreasonably places the other in a false light before the public. False light is shorter, so we're doing it first. (laughs) For false light, it is give publicity to a matter concerning another, like on Instagram, that places the other before the public in a false light. Mm. Is labeling it, saying that someone's an insurrectionist, putting it in a false light when they're like, I was just there for the demonstration part. I was not there to riot and did not participate in that. Does it skew the context? That the false light would be highly offensive to a reasonable person. Would a reasonable person be offended that they were called an insurrectionist and that you knew of or acted in a reckless disregard as to the falsity of the publicized matter and that the false light in which the other would be placed? So was it really intentional? Like, did you know what you were saying was false. And did you know that it would put somebody in a false light? And they showed in the lawsuit, the DMs where she said, I was interviewed by the FBI. Like we're all cool because the FBI has prosecuted. Well, the FBI is not prosecuting them. The AUSA is, but the FBI has arrested people. People are being prosecuted for, well, not for insurrection for, you know, trespassing and other charges. But she told him that she was not being prosecuted and had not been. So does he know about the falsity and does he know what he's doing in using those particular words? And I said that one was shorter because it was, and these are, I give you the elements for your, you for you to think through unreasonable intrusion on the seclusion of another. This one's long bear with me. I'm reading it directly from my notes. A, so I don't screw it up and B because it's been a long time since I've been in torts class. You want to know what law school is like? Here we go. This is what it's like. The form of invasion of privacy covered by this section does not depend upon any publicity given to the person whose interest is invaded or to their affairs. It consists solely of an intentional interference with their interest. And again, I keep saying there because it's more comfortable for me. These are all written with his, but I think it goes to his or her, but the law is all written in such a masculine context. But anyway, so I will I will flex between the two because I in my brain I just see it as it's anybody. It's not just it's not just him. It's anyway. Oh, the way the law is written. It consists solely of an intentional interference with his interest in solitude or seclusion, either as to their person or as to their private affairs or concerns of a kind that would be highly offensive to a reasonable man. See, law. The invasion may be, we need to reword a lot of this, is to a reasonable person. Anyway, the I could go on forever. I won't. The invasion may be physical, uh, maybe a physical intrusion into a place, which is not the case here, and we are not getting into the invasion into a place, but that can include things like using telephoto lenses to take pictures inside somebody's home, using binoculars, wiretapping, things like that, going through mail. The next one is um, an invasion onto a private place that they otherwise don't have the right to be, which is not what I think is at issue here. And then the last subsection is 
There is likewise no liability unless the interference with the plaintiff's seclusion is a substantial one of a kind that would be highly offensive to the ordinary reasonable man as the result of conduct to which the reasonable man would strongly object. Thus, there is no liability for knocking at the plaintiff's door or calling him on the phone or one occasion or even two or three to demand payment of a debt. It is only when the telephone calls are repeated and that gets into kind of harassing uh, collection practices and things. But the point of that is, is the kind of crux of it is that um, highly offensive. Would, Would the average citizen be horrified if they got cast in this light and in this way. And that's where the amount of followers comes up a lot in this lawsuit. And that's where the exact words that were used comes up a lot in this lawsuit, because would a Wyoming jury, if this case stays in Wyoming, um, find that offensive? Like, yeah, blasting, putting me on blast to 2.4 million people and calling me an insurrectionist is highly offensive. And it would lead to these types of things. And the leading to these types of things gets into the IIED, which we will get to in a minute. The next uh, claim is defamation and defamation per se. In Wyoming, the elements of that are published or broadcast to be heard by more than one person, 2.4 million social media followers on Instagram, not factual. And that's where they're using that DM again to say, we, she told him. And this is where I think that this case is, if there are, if there's any strength to this case at all, it's to the one plaintiff who directly interacted with Baldwin and said, no. And then caused harm. Did this cause someone reputational harm? And I think you can see that not just from the comments, but if there was any other backlash or fallout in this individual's everyday life. The question about whether Royce is or is not a public figure will be very interesting. I think with a public Instagram page, that doesn't automatically make you a public figure. As of my recording of this, Royce's Instagram page has like 1,800 followers. I think that saying that they are a public figure just because they have a presence on social isn't enough. However, I don't know how much Royce and her family were in the public eye when her brother was killed and when the GoFundMe was started because they might be limited um, public figures around the fact that her brother was killed in Afghanistan. And this ties into that. The reason that Alec Baldwin shared her Instagram and made these comments is because he seemed so offended by her choices because somehow it either diminished or changed how he would have donated money to her fallen brother, which again, is for you to decide how you feel about it. Like, had he known that the fallen Marine's brother or the fallen Marine's sister had been in D.C. on January 6th, would he have chosen not to donate? Maybe. So it's interesting as to whether or not Royce will be a limited public figure regarding the fact that her brother was killed. If there, and there, I'm, if there were news reports, I remember there being news reports. I don't remember the names specifically, but it seems that there was enough news reporting that Baldwin tracked this family down to give them money in a GoFundMe, and that might lean towards limited-use public figures. And with limited-use public figures, you do have to prove actual malice. And would actual malice be proven by the fact that he's dialing down in the comments and continuing to repeat the things and seemingly fanning 
the um, the vitriol in the comments on Instagram, would that go towards actual malice if they are limited public figures? Probably. I mean, a jury could absolutely consider that. And then they're also um, going after defamation per se, which again might be easier because you don't have to necessarily prove harm. And defamation per se in Wyoming covers accusations about professional ethics, criminality, promiscuity, or the acquisition of a contagious disease. So in Wyoming, I think insurrection, well, insurrection's a crime. So insurrection would fall under criminality. Rioting is also a crime. So calling someone an insurrectionist and a rioter, if they were not insurging and or rioting, would fall under, I think, that level of criminality. The next cause of action, I just flat out don't understand how we get there. I would love someone to explain it to me more, but it's negligence and gross negligence. And for negligence, this is a real quick, not even a law school class on negligence, but just basics, some basic fundamental principles here. There has to be a duty. And I don't know how we're getting to Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin owns a duty of care to someone on Instagram who he donated to their GoFundMe. I don't know. Does Alec Baldwin owe everyone on Instagram a duty of care? And again, this is said from someone who does not like Alec Baldwin, but I also think reaching to find that celebrities owe a duty of care to people that they engage with on social media is a very, very slippery slope and a big, big reach. I don't, I don't know where they're finding a duty. Like, where is the duty of care that Alec Baldwin owes to any of these ladies? I mean, his behavior's abhorrent. I, I don't think sicking a mob on people on social media is ever a good thing. But also, does he owe a legal duty to them? And I just don't see it. So there has to be a duty there first, and then there has to be a breach of that duty. So you have to be obligated to act in some way and then breach that duty to act. It's like if you're, and this is a rough example, but if you're driving down the road and you see a car accident, you're not obligated to stop and help. You might choose to out of the kindness of your heart, out of experience that you've had because you have a truck that can pull somebody out of a ditch and you live in middle Tennessee and people are nice like that, but you're not obligated to, you don't have a duty to do that. So driving on by is not a breach of duty that somebody could come for you for. And then there has to be cause in fact that, but for the other party's failure, you would not have been injured. So, but for Alec Baldwin doing this, we might get to that, but for Alec Baldwin doing this, then you would not have received hate and vitriol and whatever other fallout, but you can't get to that prong until you get to a duty. And there's, I just don't see the duty. Someone show me where it is. And then you get the proximate cause that the others failure caused the injury and then damages. There has to be damages. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know that I don't know the thought process behind there. Maybe there's something in Wyoming that I'm missing that creates a duty like this, but it just I I wouldn't like this as a precedent. I wouldn't like this as a precedent. Though I think people should generally not be dicks. Um you're not under a duty to not be a dick, you know, other than like uh, being a decent human, but you know how I feel about Alec Baldwin. I don't necessarily think um, at the in the cockles of his heart that he is necessarily a good person, but that doesn't mean he has a duty to not flame people on social media. Now, when it comes to intentional infliction of emotional distress, do we get to a more interesting conversation? Why, yes. Yes, we do. 
with intentional infliction of emotional distress. The elements are outrageous conduct by the defendant, the intention of causing or reckless disregard of the probability of causing emotional distress. And this is the element that a lot of this lawsuit, I think, highlights very well is Baldwin has been through this. He is a celebrity. He knows better than most what it's like when the media and when people turn on you. He's been there. So he's experienced it. So he knows. So at least we're at reckless disregard for the fact that this can cause emotional distress. And I think even after all the rust cases, we've seen his wife. Do we call her Hilaria? Do we call her Hillary? Where are we on that? I think her preferred name is Hilaria, and that's what I'm going to continue to go with. But with that, um, she's talked about how much he's suffered since the rust shooting, not just because of the the fact that the gun he was manipulating shot and killed someone, but also because of all of the attention of it. He knows. He knows what this is going to do. I think I think there's no way around that element. I think this is the strongest cause of action, and we're not even done yet. So outrageous conduct, intention or reckless disregard, actual suffering. I think that this kind of so we've seen it in case after case that this type of vitriol can cause severe or extreme emotional distress, whether it did in this case or not, is something the plaintiff will have to prove. Actual approximate causation of the emotional distress by the defendant's outrageous conduct. Did the defendant, in this case Baldwin, sharing the thing on social, cause that emotional distress? Did the hate mob cause the distress? Outrageous conduct is defined as conduct which, quote, goes beyond all possible bounds of decency and which is regarded as atrocious and utterly intolerable in a civilized community. And here's where part of the problem is, because I think there are plenty, particularly on social media, that will say, yes, but this family's conservative, so fuck them. And I think there's plenty on social media that would say, yes, but Baldwin's like a raging lefty, so fuck him. And that's not, that doesn't, That doesn't fit with my view and my worldview of a civilized society and a civilized community. We have to be able to say, regardless of someone's political beliefs, that they deserve decency and that we have decent discourse with each other. And it has gotten so far off the rails on both ends that it will be very interesting to continue to watch the reporting of this case. And it's not like, oh, it's okay in this context because I support you know, that cause or that political ideology or that leaning. So I excuse it in this context and I condemn it in this other context. And that is problematic for me. It's, it's not a, the ends justify the means and the law is not an ends justify the means kind of a place. And that's where I say, this is facts, not fuckery because the ends justify the means is fuckery to me. The facts are Some of these causes of action aren't very strong. I think the IIED probably is the strongest. Um, I think the defamation per se is probably stronger than the defamation, but we don't, you know, they alleged the damages in this lawsuit. I don't know how we get to negligence at all. I don't know how we get to the other two women whose Instagram it was not, but I do see how we get to potentially defamation per se, potentially to the um, invasion which would be very interesting is 
reposting something that's public with a comment changing it going to be a false light invasion of privacy? Maybe. I think there are some legally very interesting questions here, but I also think this case is going to get very polarized in the headlines because people are going to pick a side either against Alec Baldwin or with Alec Baldwin, or I feel like the polarization of everything surrounding and the circumstances surrounding this case is going to make it hard to cut through and just see where the legal questions are. And the legal questions that are most interesting to me are whether the negligence and gross negligence claims just get yeeted immediately out of court because I don't know where a duty is. And if there's a duty, I need someone to explain how we're holding strangers to have a duty that don't have a professional or otherwise um, contracted obligation to someone. I don't see it. And then where false light invasion of privacy falls in the age of social media and resharing something and recontextualizing it. Those are very interesting questions to me. And with that, we're left with whether Alec Baldwin will end up in court making the argument that he does not control his followers, that he was not trying to rile them up, that he was not trying to incite hate or vitriol towards this family, so that there is no cause of action here, which is going to parallel the arguments that Donald Trump made after his speech on January 6th. So we are going to possibly see two diabolically, politically divergent individuals um, potentially making the same arguments. <laughs> like, it's just the, the connectivity of this. You're going to see, I think, Baldwin making some of the same arguments in his defense that Trump made in his defense, and it's going to get very interesting very quickly. So. Will Baldwin be saying this was hyperbole and that calling someone an insurrectionist or a rioter is now hyperbole and not accusing someone of a crime? I think it will be very interesting to see how the headlines on this play out based on the leading of how it's being reported. And that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I imagine those that like Baldwin will cover it one way and those that don't see eye to eye with Baldwin might cover it a different way. But at the end of the day, it was a dick move but I don't think all of it he's civilly liable for. I can't wait to hear what you think about this. I appreciate the Lawnard community for the civil discourse of the facts and not the fuckery. And we're just going to, we're going to stay hydrated and mind our business. That's what we're going to do. We're going to break down this lawsuit and see what comes and hope that the courts don't try to find a duty to strangers on the internet. Cause that's shit's going to get real weird, real quick, real quick. So grab a glass and say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. Mine wasn't yesterday. My entire internet was down yesterday when I was supposed to be recording. Thrilling for me. I got very well delayed because my research wasn't done either. And then I went down a rabbit hole of torts. It was great. So may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. Cheers. Cheers.